Welcome to Fine Tuning with Drew Taylor, your one-stop shop when it comes to animation news and commentary. Drew and I are recording this week's show on Friday, October 14, 2022, which is the tail end of a, a somewhat sad week, wouldn't you say, Drew? I mean, yeah, I mean, we lost one of the one of the greats this mm-hmm. week. Yeah, uh, Dame Angela Lansbury. It was Tuesday this week, right, October 11th, and she was 96 years old. I think it says a lot, particularly after somebody who has a career that lasts eight decades. And the comment that seemed to be out there the most is is that we lost her too soon. You know, I actually met her in 2018, I think. Did you really? Yeah, at a home video event for Mary Poppins on the lot. Wow. For Mary Poppins Returns, yeah. We're going to talk about that film and as well as the rest of Angela's career Uh, on the second half of today's show, but I'm going to want to hear about that. That's cool. Okay. Also want to take a moment here to acknowledge the passing of Yu-Gi-Oh! creator uh, Kazuki Takahashi, who actually passed away earlier this summer. I mean, back all the way in in July uh, due to drowning. But uh, did you see this story that came out of Stars and Stripes about how we lost him or? No, I I had not heard this. So please... uh inform me well it it turns out takahashi died a hero a 60 year old kazuki was at the beach in okinawa and saw an 11 year old girl and a u.s soldier get swept out to sea in a riptide and leaped in the water and tried to aid in the rescue and and the rough surf proved to be too much for takahashi and he succumbed but what was interesting is that the, the u.s army this week went out of its way to acknowledge Tazuki Takahashi's efforts on behalf of trying to save the soldier and his noble sacrifice. So uh, Drew and I would like to do the same right now. Our thoughts and prayers go out to the friends and family of this brave, brave man, and we're sorry for your loss. Lots of animation news this week, and as always, the news portion of Fine Tuning is brought to you by Storybook Destinations, trusted travel partner of the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network, for a worry-free travel experience every time Please book online at storybookdestinations.com. Can you imagine the kind of questions they've gotten this week, Jim, <laughs> with all the Disney changes? <sighs> I mean, if I if my text messages are any indication, mm. they are really fielding some some quandaries yeah. this week, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, I look at when they announce this, just ahead of the holidays when people have already locked in all of their travel plans for family. So it's just... Not a big fan of the current Disney management team, but... No. I deliberately did not talk about this last week when I was recording that that solo edition of Fine Tuning uh, because I I wanted to get your take on it, uh, but the Super Mario Brothers movie trailer dropped last week, and and what did you think of that? I actually thought it looked really solid. I thought Mm. the animation looked great, and Mm. I'm very excited about the film because... It is coming from two of the folks who made Teen Titans go to the movies, Mm -hmm. which I think is a really cool, wonderful little movie. So I'm very (laughs) excited to see what they're doing with this Mm -hmm. uh, this bigger budget and Mm -hmm. this different animation style. And I was I was really impressed. I mean, what did what did you think, Jim? I'm like Super Mario Brothers, one generation removed. I mean, Alice is a huge enthusiast of, of, of this stuff. And I have to admit, what I saw looked great, looked solid. 
Though I'm kind of more intrigued about the timing here. So the movie is supposed to arrive in theaters on April 7th, 2023. Meanwhile, Universal Studios Hollywood's version of Super Nintendo World, they're currently saying that it will open in early 2023. Speaking of, of cool stuff, the Super Nintendo World Shop literally just opened like yesterday up at Universal City Walk. So they're not kidding around. In order to capitalize, to, to leverage the Super Mario Brothers movie to sort of the ultimate, evidently the plan is right now to hold the premiere up at City Walk in the it's the, the AMC right at the uh, no wait a minute it's yes, the Universal the AMC Universal City Walk there we go and then supposedly everybody comes outside and climbs into a vehicle and gets rolled down to the bottom of the lot and then the post premiere party will be held inside of Super Nintendo World. So, well, you you bring this up, Jim, and and I don't know if you saw this, but Jeff Shell, who's the NBC Universal CEO was on mm-hmm. uh, CNBC and he was talking about he basically said that the park and the, the movie were going to open up side by side. There we go. In Hollywood. But then we saw you saw those photos that our, our buddy BioReconstruct put up and the mm-hmm. Donkey Kong mainframe is going mm-hmm. in Epic Universe as we speak. Well, that's kind of a different animal in that that opens in 2025 Donkey Kong in Hollywood may open day and date with the, oh, the epic epic universe. I mean, the notion is that on both coasts, you get this this. I mean, face it, Seth Rogen is also voicing the character in the film. This is very much part of the universal. Why would you want to go visit the mouse when you can hang out with Donkey Kong? So previously. Universal was all about, hey, you know, we have Harry Potter, we have The Simpsons, and and now this. And they don't have a response in the pipeline for Super Nintendo World. They don't know what they're going to bring to the table that's going to be as strong and as appealing as this game-based land. Well, you can pay $6 for an ice cream bar. (laughs) So isn't that appealing, Jim? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or you can make a reservation. Come to Disneyland where you get kicked in the balls repeatedly and you're going to like it. That's the new slogan. Well, th- 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 <laughs> or you get charged for that experience, okay? That's true. <laughs> Moving on to, to less testicle-based stories, you pointed out that uh, Skydance seems to be getting ready to expand its animation division and, and they're putting their money where their mouth is, right? Yeah, they got, I think, what, what did it say, $400 million uh, more in credits. Mm-hmm. And what they, one of the things they're primarily using this for is to expand the Skydance animation mm-hmm. platform. They are going to try to do two movies a year. And they are also building a brand new campus in Santa Monica mm-hmm. for all of these animators and creators. And I ran into Brad Bird last week. Did I tell Ooh. you this, Jim, at the, the Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol screening? Dude. You did not. Okay. Okay. Well, he is looking great. He's feeling mm-hmm. great, and he's uh, ready for to take. He's taking on Raygun full mm-hmm. force. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's going to be really exciting. But um, it's all happening for for Skydance Animation and and John Lasseter. And I guess I guess Spellbound will not be out this year, as was oh. potentially 
okay. Yeah. I was about to ask because again, this Vicky Jensen movie with the the screenplay by, by Linda Wolverton and of course the a score by by Mencken. But Netflix wise, they seem to be touting that this is coming in in 2022. But really, okay, that's interesting. Apple TV Plus, Jim. Apple TV Plus. Oh, that's right. My mistake. I keep doing that. Yeah. Can't really out my source on this, but they got to talk with John Lasseter after Luck debuted on on Apple TV+. And the very thing that you and I have talked about, about how this movie sort of seems like John's latest version of Meet the Robinsons, and evidently that's literally what Lasseter said to this guy you know that just sort of yeah you know it was it was meet the Robinsons all over again there was only so much I could do and wait for the next one but that's interesting that Spellbound is now slid to 2023 I mean I'm just I haven't seen any promotional stuff for it I mean November is like tomorrow so Mm -hmm. we haven't seen anything this is true about it teaser images toys nothing so now, speaking of Apple TV, though, you also have uncovered some info about their holiday animation lineup. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, it looks pretty good, don't you think? Um, well, I mean, talk- it's it's a it's a combination of classics and mm-hmm. you know new stuff. But mm-hmm. let me let me let me bring it up. Cause okay, cool, cool. I think it looks pretty good. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, how do you feel about it? I am unfamiliar. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's been one of those. <laughs> well, weeks. you know, Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, Jim. I mean, that's you know. Oh, that's, that's true. They that's a, a classic. The then we've got okay. the Fraggle Rock, Back to the Rock, Night mm-hmm. of the Lights, Holiday Special, which we love. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and it features Davi Diggs from Hamilton. Mm-hmm. I don't know what Sago Mini Friends is, but I'm sure mm-hmm. it's something that children of all ages enjoy. Okay. And then uh, Charlie Brown Thanksgiving, obviously. Mm-hmm. There's, a, a, I guess, a show called Interrupting Chicken, and they're going to do a Christmas Carol holiday special. <gasps> Pretzel and the Puppies, Mary Montgomery holiday special. Not sure what that is either. And then uh, another, a Snoopy show special. I Want a Dog for Christmas. Uh, Charlie Brown's Christmas Tales. A Charlie Brown Christmas. And then... The Boy, the Mole, the Fox, and the Horse, which is based on an award-winning book of the same name, will arrive on Apple TV Plus on Christmas Day, hmm. which is a short film that has a really striking animation style that looks like a really wonderful combination of 2D and 3D, and that is what I am really excited about, Jim. So wow. there you go. That sounds cool. And, oh, uh, we should have actually talked about this when you were mentioning bumping into Brad Bird, but Andrew Stanton has lined up a, a new live-action film that he's doing for Chris Searchlight, right? Yeah. I mean, it is called In the Blink of an Eye, and it is supposed to be like this crazy Kubrickian story that, uh, I mean, the, the Hollywood Reporter write up references 2001 interstellar and magnolia so mm. sounds good to me i have the script but i have oh. not read it yet uh, maybe we can go into detail on that at a, on a later episode but okay. um yeah i'm just happy that he's making a movie again mm-hmm. he's been doing a lot of tv recently we've obviously got the wally criterion collection edition coming out which is very exciting but um yeah i'm excited about about him being back in the live action space Okay, well, let's see what happens there. On the other hand, things we are not excited about is, what do you make of this Cartoon Network studio news? 
we've have three division animation related divisions at Warner's that have now been folded in to two. Is that how this works? Well, I've I've heard conflicting reports about this, Jim, and I would mm-hmm. love to know what your people mm-hmm. are telling you. I've heard it is not as big of a deal as some are making it out to be. Mm-hmm. And I know that they really took a lot of umbrage with the Cartoon Network story that I sent you in mm-hmm. the email. Um, yep. Mm-hmm. Cartoon Brew, sorry. Yep. Um, but it seems to just be a consolidation of animation resources underneath the Warner animation umbrella. And it's not exactly a... They're not killing off Cartoon Network Studios exactly. They're just kind of bringing those people over. And, and yes, there is a... They're, they are uh, letting go of some folks, but they're still retaining some people, too. So mm-hmm. I don't know if it's quite as bad as everyone is thinking. But if people are listening to this and they think that it is just as bad, please let us know. Jim, what it, what's your reading on this and what have you heard? There's so much of the information that's coming out of Warner's these days. It's like, hang on, literally happening in real time. I got to go answer my phone and find out what's happening or what just got reversed. So it seems to still be shaking out. So I just feel terrible for the folks over there because it's like, I have a job, I think. Right. Yeah. I've heard there are going to be more layoffs before the end of the month. That's uh, the same scuttlebutt I'm hearing. And the terrible thing about a situation like that is that virtually guarantees that nobody in the building is getting any work done because they're either on email or on the phone doing, what have you heard? And Or just, on LinkedIn. Oh, well, there yeah. we go. Trying to find a, trying to find the, the right deal, but yeah. Yeah, killed it. All right. Well, let's at least end the news segment on a, on a positive note because you have gotten to see Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Well, I've seen 40 minutes of it, Jim. Okay, 40 so minutes. So I've seen the first the first two acts, basically, yeah. Okay, so uh, what can we say? I mean, I think it's amazing. I got to go to a little event with Guillermo and Mark Gustafsson there, mm-hmm, and he is mm-hmm. uh, Guillermo's co-director, mm-hmm. who is the animation director on Wes Anderson's Fantastic Mr. Fox, which I think mm-hmm. is one of the best animated movies of the last however many years. Mm-hmm. And they said that they they worked on this movie, Jim, for a thousand days. And at one point, there were 60 different units shooting things at the same time. Oh, wow. And okay. that he deliberately, Guillermo said that he deliberately kind of eschewed the typical animation style. There aren't poses. There mm-hmm. isn't really graphic silhouettes it's all about this kind of naturalistic acting style where characters will scratch themselves or go for an object and miss it and have to go back and he said Mm -hmm. that capturing that level of realism really took a lot out of the animators and that you see it all on screen it's absolutely beautiful and breathtaking and really kind of heartbreaking and uh yeah i cannot wait to see the last you know hour of it because it's really special, and I think it's going to be really, um, you know, I think people are going to talk about it, and uh, it'll be part of the conversation for sure in the latter part of the year. I'm so happy to hear this, especially after the Disney Pinocchio live-action thing, which, are you hearing what I'm hearing about they are really seriously considering a live-action Tangled? Please tell me no. I mean, I think it's going to get to the point where they just, 
are producing them at the same time. Like, <laughs> you know, it'll save him a lot of headache if you just put Aliki <sighs> Cravalho in the Moana costume at the same time as she's recording the, the lines, you know? Wow. Uh, wow. Uh, okay. Well, all right. Uh, speaking of, of Disney-related stuff, folks, when we get back from this break, Drew and I will we'll talk about the late, great Dame uh, Angela Lansbury. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch new episodes of Grey's Anatomy Thursdays at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. So you actually got to talk with Dame Angela Lansbury in 2018 out ahead of the Mary Poppins Returns DVD release, Blu-ray, right? Yeah, she well, she just came, you know, it was like a day at the studio where we were watching mm -hmm. special features and chatting mm -hmm. with the filmmaker, Rob Marshall. Mm -hmm. And then she just came in and sort of like was making small talk with people and saying hello. Mm -hmm. And it was like this really wonderful moment. We were kind of like blessed by this literal Disney legend. Mm -hmm. who's got her handprints outside in Legend Square or whatever they mm -hmm. call it, where the reflection pool used to be outside mm -hmm. of the Team Disney Burbank building. Mm -hmm. And it was just wonderful. It was great to say hello and to say how much she meant to all of us. And mm -hmm. it's a real loss. And um, what can you say about her? I was lucky enough to see Angela Lansbury on Broadway in Sweetie Todd, the original cast with Len Cariou. And then I caught the tour a couple of times. It played in Boston at what's now called the Wang Center. And I, I even went out to LA that summer and it was playing, I want to say the Ambitson, and dragged a girlfriend to see it there because she was amazing. She just, you know, her Mrs. Lovett was just so out there. And for a lot of us to, you know, follow animation, who follow Disney, the way we met Angela Lansbury wasn't necessarily stage work, but it was bedknobs and broomsticks, which it's interesting you, you mentioned Mary Poppins because when the negotiations fell apart with P.L. Travers, there was this moment where Walt said, don't worry about it. We got this other book. Literally turned to Bill Walsh, Don DeGrady, and the Sherman Brothers. Said, we've just bought a Mary Norton book that combined her two short novels, The Magic Bedknobs and Bonfire and Broomsticks, into a single volume. And it's like, we can take a lot of the stuff that we did for Mary Poppins and we can turn this into a big screen musical. And obviously that's not what happened they eventually sorted things out with pl travers mary poppins gets made but at the same time that was the biggest hit that disney had had in years so it's now the mid 60s late 60s and disney actually goes back to julie andrews and says hey 
how would you like to make another movie for the studio? And we've got this other property that we actually were developing the same time as Mary Poppins called Bedknobs and Broomsticks. And Julie Andrews says no. So they then go to, there were three people they offered the role to before they went to Angela Lansbury. There was Judy Carn, who was on uh, Laugh-In at the time. Then there was Lynn Redgrave, who had just done Georgie Girl. And then there was Leslie Caron. That was kind of a sort of an outlier. You know, she was old Hollywood. But then the music, stage magical version of MAME came to L.A. It had opened on Broadway in May of 66, but in spring of 68, Lansbury, after leaving the Broadway production, then did a limited tour on the West Coast. They were up in San Francisco, and then they came down to L.A. And the folks at Disney, it's like, ooh, she could be Eglantine Price. So they bring Angela to the lot. They show her the entire film on storyboards. And Angela thought it was kind of mechanical. It was just, okay, stand here, and the night that's on wires will fly at you, or, or, or that sort of thing. But, but she still took the assignment. She had been away from Hollywood for a number of years at that point. The, the film was shot starting in March and ended in June of, of 1970, and then gets released to theaters uh, the following holiday season. But the week after Angela signed to do Bedknobs and Broomsticks, Julie Andrews reached out to the studio and said, I changed my mind. I'll come and make your Bedknob movie. And Bill Walsh had to tell her, I'm so sorry. We just signed Angela Lansbury. Wow. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that has always fascinated me about Bedknobs and Broomsticks is that Ron Moody, who played Fagan, in Oliver was originally hired, cast and hired to be in Bedknobs and Broomsticks, but he thought his character should be the lead. And he was somewhat upset when he saw the storyboards and that sort of thing. So he, uh, he stepped away at that point. And David Tomlinson, who was still on the Disney payroll at that point, because he had done, of course, Mary Poppins, you know, uh, played Mr. Banks and then had played the villain in the original Love Bug movie, but it's like, okay, David's here. Let's let's use him. Drew had put together a sort of a, a, a list of the animation stuff that Angela had done. And of course, 82 or thereabouts, she does The Last Unicorn for Rankin Bass. You've got to see that one, right? Yeah, I, I like that movie a lot. I think it's pretty weird and oh, such yeah. a different character than... Mrs. Potts, obviously. Oh, um, did, you know, what is it? Mommy Fortuna? Yes. <laughs> kind of got to lead into her, some of the more villainous roles she played over there. I love the voice cast of this thing. I mean, you know, Alan Arkin yeah. is Schmendrick, and, and, but Tammy Grimes, Robert Klein, Christopher Lee. Kind of a counterculture bunch, too, right? Very, like, very, very much so. Very much so. But anyway, you, you mentioned Mrs. Potts, which when Angela got cast for the role, she decided she would model her performance after Angela Badley's co-character, Mrs. Bridges, from Upstairs Downstairs. She thought, you know, it's a, it's a teapot. It should be small. It should be comforting. But have you ever heard the story of, of the day she recorded the theme song for Beauty and the Beast? No. I've heard this from Don Hahn, and I've got a, a version of it here that Paige O'Hara shared once and it's just basically she it's june 9th 1990 and this is the day they've arranged to fly everybody into new york 
to record all of the vocals for all the songs. They've got this wonderful, huge orchestra. But Angela's flying in from California, and she's now like three or four hours behind schedule. And everybody says, well, what's going on? And finally she rushes in the door, and she explains that the plane that she was on they had had to literally do an emergency landing. Evidently, the airline had received some information about a bomb threat or that sort of thing. And so it had been a nightmarish day of travel to get there to do this recording. And and Don Hahn was like, oh, oh, geez, I'm so sorry. Well, do you want to go to the hotel? you want to go rest? And Angela was like, well, no, no, you've got the full orchestra here. You've got every, you know, I mean, I, I can't make you do that and bring them back for another day. Let's just do this. And so she goes into the booth and she does the version of Beauty and the Beast that we hear today in the film in one take. After wow. that, after that, after that nightmarish day of travel. And then after that, you know, she's literally, you know, it's like, okay, can, can you do your chunks of Be Our Guest? And it's like, sure. And just knocks that out and says, okay, thank you. I'm going to the hotel. And that, that's it. She's done. That comes out in 91 is obviously an enormous hit. And the company to honor her because, of course, of you know her work with Bedknobs and Broomsticks and, and Beauty and the Beast, they make her a Disney legend in 95. There's also that, that weird moment in 96 where the company does that restoration of, of Bedknobs and Broomsticks, which this is one of those Disney films that was edited with a machete at one point. I mean, there's there's two and three musical numbers that got cut out of the film or severely cut down, and, and Scott McQueen dug into the Disney vaults and did the best he could to, to sort of restore the film. And Angela actually filmed a wonderful sort of little wraparound introduction to the new edition of Beauty and the... Uh, excuse me, Ben Nobbs and Broomsticks. But this is also when she's working on Anastasia, with Don Bluth for 20th Century Fox, which, by the way, what is the deal now with, given that Disney has bought 20th Century Fox, does this mean Anastasia actually is a Disney princess? There, There's a lot of debate around that, Jim. I, I doubt she'll actually be formally introduced mm-hmm. because, as you know, there's a whole coronation ceremony that has yeah. to happen. <laughs> there are specific rules that are given mm-hmm. out when uh, dealing with the Disney princesses as a group and individually. So I mm-hmm. doubt she will be part of that whole process. But okay. I mean, I don't know why it's not. Is it on Disney Plus? I I meant to look because I actually enjoyed this film quite a bit. Came out in '97 and then 20 years later became a stage show, much like Beauty and the Beast did. Angela actually has a trifecta of, you know, films she made that got turned into stage musicals because Bedknobs and Broomsticks has actually been turned into a stage show. It toured the UK and Ireland. In fact, I'm going to give people the URL address here. Bedknobonstage, one word, dot com. You can go and watch a trailer for the show and catchphrase for the, you will believe a bed can fly. That's funny. So Angela <laughs> continues in Disney's employ. She's one of the hostesses for uh, Fantasia 2000. She actually introduces the finale of the film, The Firebird Suite, which I would argue is, is perhaps the strongest one. That's the Brizzy Brothers did the, the amazing work on that. 
I mean, besides Eric's amazing Rhapsody in Blue, Jim, we got to give it up for that. Well, one. no, that that is true. That is true. That's a good one as well. Okay, so her next animation, uh, November two thousand eighteen. She's featured in Illuminations The Grinch, which have you heard the story about what Illuminations thought they were getting when they they hired Benedict Cumberbatch? I think you've told it actually on this show before, but if you want to okay. well, share one more time, do it, Jim. He did such a wonderful job with Sherlock. So the folks for Illuminations were like, oh, we're going to get this wonderful British actor and, and he's going to give us a Boris Karloff level performance which they wanted to have to differentiate the new feature length live, you know, animated version versus the Jim Carrey, uh, Ron Howard movie. And Cumberbatch came into the studio and supposedly said, well, look, this is an American fairy tale. It's, it's written by Dr. Seuss. So shouldn't the character have an American accent? And the folks at Illumination were like, yeah, okay. They had to then do that for the rest of the movie. In fact, I, I guess Dame Angela Lansbury voices the mayor of uh, Whoville, and uh, same thing. It's 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 largely an American accent. But to sort of bring things to a close here, we've lost this lovely lady, but we still can appreciate her work. In fact, her very last performance will be out next month. The Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery begins its theatrical run on November 23rd and then shows up on Netflix, I want to say. What's kind of cool about this is in the movie, Angela is paired with Stephen Sondheim, her, her longtime collaborator. And, and by the way, uh, another fun fact here, Sondheim was the very first Broadway composer to try to turn Billy Wilder's Sunset Boulevard into a Broadway musical. He, he envisioned it as a, a vehicle for Angela. In fact, they'd had such a good time working on Sweeney Todd together. It's like, let's do another show, and, and you get to play Norma Desmond. And the thing is that Sondheim struggled to turn this into a musical and eventually couldn't do it. The rights lapsed, and that's when Sir Andrew Lloyd Webber came in behind, and he made his Sunset Boulevard. But anyway, very last Disney role was uh, the balloon lady in Mary Poppins Returns, which, which Drew was just talking about a moment ago. But that role was not written for Dame Angela Lansbury. It was actually written for Julie Andrews. The way this was supposed to work was much like Dick Van Dyke's cameo in you know, Mary Poppins Returns, where he plays Mr. Jaws Jr. You know, the idea was the stars of the original film come in and it's a, a fun nod to the audience, but they would deliberately be smallish roles because you know, the idea was not to upstage Emily Blunt and uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda. But Andrews turned down the gig. She was legitimately concerned that it wouldn't be fair to Emily if the old Mary Poppins appeared in the new Mary Poppins movie. So Disney reached out to Lansbury because it's sort of like, Mary Poppins and Bedknobs and Broomsticks are, are very much the, the same thing. And so, and Lansbury came in, I, I want to say they, they shot for a day and a half, but did a, a lovely job. And I, I just loved her performance in that part of the film. And, uh, you know, Nowhere to Go But Up is a great song. And as we said, at, you know, the top of the show, when, when you're, you're nine, you, when you leave at 96 and, and people say you were gone too soon, that, that says a lot about a person and their art and their career. And Drew and I 
offer our sincerest condolences to her friends and family at this this tremendous loss. And that's a sad note to end the show on. So let's give people something more fun to do. And, and again, there's something I enjoy doing so much is, is listening to Drew's wonderful Light the Fuse podcast. And so what are we talking about this week? What's going on there? I think we're doing a we're doing a revisiting episode because Charles and I were a little busy uh, the last mm-hmm. couple of weeks, so we're we're doing our our chat with with uh, Robert Ellswit that we did a few years ago. We're condensing all three parts into one super episode for everybody. So I hope you enjoy that. I thought it was very cool earlier this week. Uh, was it uh, Gizmo that did the article oh, about uh, Vulture? Vulture that did the very yeah. best movie-based podcast. And who was number two on the list but Light the Fuse, which I took a weirdly parental moment of pride for that. It's like, <laughs> oh, that's so cool for Drew and Charles. Yeah, it was a, it was a great surprise. Um, probably but, unwarranted. But, no, 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 not yeah. at all. In fact, what I loved about the way they described the show is the very thing that I keep telling folks. It's like, yes, it's about Mission Impossible, likewise Top Gun and, and the John Wick films. But at the same time, you get these great stories about all these other films that these people worked on. And and the fact that they pointed out the whole thing of because you're doing these recordings long after the films have come up, the pressure is off so you get the real stories. Yes, we've got a, we've got a lot of great stuff coming up. We've got a really big... Re- we're returning to light the fuselage a little mm-hmm. bit. And we've got a really big, cool exclusive coming in that arena that we haven't we can't announce yet but will be happening soon and i'm just so excited for everybody to hear it and yeah we'll, we're back every week we'll figure out some we'll we'll talk to the key grip we'll talk to the <laughs> you know we just we just had a, a craft service guy on i mean it, we we will talk to anybody so yeah we more uh, episodes soon all right and you know we didn't make the vulture list but we have a couple of podcasts here you might want to listen to uh, we got disney dish with lentesto we got Marvelous Disney, which I do with Aaron Adams. And oof, I need to get a brand new Looking at Lucasfilm recorded with, with Brian Gunn. Tell you what, folks, if you could do uh, Drew and I a favor, if you could head over to Apple Podcasts and rate and review, not just the show you're listening to right now, fine tuning, but also Light Diffuse, that would be helpful. Likewise, if you really, really, really like what you were listening to, if you want to head over to Bandcamp and subscribe, that would be helpful. Drew, can you tell the nice folks how they can find you? Uh, yes, it is a Drew Tailored, like a tailored shirt on Instagram and Twitter. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram is Jim Hill Media and over on Facebook is Jim Hill Media News. And that's going to do it for this week, folks. Thanks again for listening. And Mr. Taylor and I will be back soon. <laughs>